Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is V, and V is for vagina. The vagina, otherwise known as VJJ, pussy, cunt, is the term we use for female genitalia, although in fact it's not accurate because the vagina is actually the inner part and the vulva is the outer part. However, this is how we use it in common usage. So joining me today is Anathea, who is an author, speaker, and teacher. Her courses offer women life-changing tools in the area of emotional mastery and spiritual sexuality. She is dedicated to helping women live more sensually alive and speak confidently from their hearts. Anathea offers practical solutions for women with body image, food, and or intimacy and relationship issues. She has a bachelor's degree in nutrition and is a level two certified Kundalini yoga and vinyasa flow instructor. She's also certified from the Divine Feminine Institute as a spiritual sexual educator. Using principles from her extensive studies in yoga, nutrition, psychology, astrology, and the Divine Feminine Institute. She educates women to be leaders of love. Her book, Empower Yourself by Loving Your Body, and her blog offer women insight into honoring their bodies. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Lori Beth. How you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Awesome, awesome. You know, just going through the eclipse energy, which is always interesting. We're yes. in eclipse season, so uh, my yes. vagina is, is needing extra care and extra awareness and all that good stuff. So let's start by talking a bit about um, eggs and wands and toys that, that they're not really toys, healing tools for the vagina. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are, yeah, they're not so much toys, though. I guess the wands, I have two products on my site. One is the jade egg and, and the crystal egg, the rose quartz egg. Both of them are crystals. And then the other ones are two types of wands. One's called the honey dipper. And then the other one is the original wand that was created by uh, Cynthia Lamborn. And, uh, you know, I like the wands. Well, you, you wanted to talk about the eggs first. So the eggs are a powerful practice. I've been using the egg for 12 years. And there's so many benefits, but I'd say the main benefit 
for anyone, if they just want to do the standard practice of wearing an egg and not go deeper into the practices, is it puts your PC muscles on autopilot. So 100%, the muscles that we use for orgasmic contraction, it strengthens those muscles. And women, little girls as young as 14, start having these muscles down at the bottom of our body because they're under a lot of pressure. They're holding a lot of things up. We start losing uh, muscular strength down at the bottom of our body. That's just a natural process if we don't do anything. And the egg can be a woman's best friend in strengthening our muscles in that area. And the big, huge benefit is increased orgasmic response. That's a number one benefit. So for women who may not be familiar with what you do with this egg, the egg's inserted and you've got to keep it in. And in order to keep it in you, you have to use these muscles. Um, exactly. Some women choose to use the egg overnight. Other women choose to walk with it and use it during the day or use it for periods of time. So you practice your kegels around this egg in order to hold the egg in. And the kegel exercises are those exercises that you use to improve the strength and flexibility of your PC muscles. Exactly. Exactly. And the dexterity. There's actually deeper Taoist practices that most people aren't that aware of and that allow you to tune into the more subtle energies when using the egg. But just by wearing it, I, what I used to love doing is just wearing it and going to yoga, you know, because then when I'm in my yogic positions, I'm actually pulling those muscles up, but I have a little weight inside of me that's doing that. But exactly what you were saying, about going to bed at night if you can't wear it during the day just wear it overnight and then it's strengthening all those muscles but what's nice too is it's bringing blood flow to that part of your body as well so there's there's and then we also carry chronic tension in that area and so it releases chronic tension but listen to this one the, what i love the most is that apparently there have been studies that the vaginal wall is directly the, the the health of the vaginal wall is directly connected to the com the, the complexion of our face. I know. Can you believe it? Wow. I know. So having a healthy vaginal wall actually will allow us to have better complexion. When that when I found that I know, I know when I found that out I was like oh, now I'm really committed to doing the egg practices. Well, and I think, you know, there's a load of products out on the market now um, to strengthen Kegels. Um, and the, you're taught to strengthen your Kegels if you, if you go through pregnancy and childbirth. I mean, it's something mm -hmm. that I think, I'm not sure if it's universal, but certainly um, in the UK, it's something that's part of your pre-birth training. You know, they actually teach you to do kegels and, and to work that. And I, I, a lot of women don't realize that even if you don't actually have a vaginal birth, you can um, ha have those muscles lengthen and soften just on the basis of the pressure of the baby and the womb during the latter stages of pregnancy, even if you don't give birth vaginally. You know, yeah, if the yeah. head is down for any period of time, you're going to have some of the same issues. And so right. women really are encouraged to, to, to do this afterwards. And there are electronic things and there are um, there's one 
made of silicon with an app, you know, and there's lots of different silicon ones. So there's all sorts of ways to do this. But the other thing that it's important in is in helping with stress incontinence. Absolutely. Which a lot yeah. of women don't realize that these very same muscles that are holding things in that when they're looser are the reason that are one of the reasons, not the sole reason that if you laugh, if you run, if you cough, if you sneeze, you could find yourself losing a bit of urine. And so if you practice more with an egg or any one of these other methods, then you might find that you take care of that problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's about really making the, not only making those muscles stronger, but making them more, um, uh, well, number one, bringing more oxygen to them, but also making them be able to open completely and close completely, full contraction instead of cr chronic tension, you know? And so when they have that, just like a flower opening up, and then closing. And when you have that dexterity and that mobility, then you're gonna have a lot more health in that area of your body. The other thing that's really good for incontinence is squatting. You know, we sit on the toilet to pee. And so I like to tell women that if they can squat when they pee or squat anytime, that literally will strengthen the whole pelvic floor muscle. And the other thing is sitting on the floor. Um, you know, when you go somewhere and if you have an opportunity to sit on the floor, sit on the floor instead of in a chair, because that, again, strengthens the whole bottom of, of your body and will help with incontinence. It's really, it's amazing. It's amazing how that works. So let's go and talk a little bit about the vagina itself. I mean, the vagina is just ama an amazing thing anatomically. Um, it is. The amount yes. of changes that vaginas can go through during the lifespan, the ability of the vagina to expand to the point of giving birth, just a huge thing, um, and to contract to the point of holding on to a tiny finger and holding on tight um, exactly. is pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's the beauty of the egg, too, is when you have the egg in, there's exercises where you can squeeze the bottom of the egg, you can squeeze the middle of the egg, and then you can squeeze the top of the egg. And so squeezing the top of the egg gets you in tune with that ejaculatory reflex. And, and some people aren't even aware of those different parts of their vajayjay, their vagina. And so that's really, really helpful. But can I talk about a little bit about the emotions that are related in the sure. vagina? sexual reflexology because um, that's pretty fascinating as well. Cool. Uh, according to Taoist, there's different parts of the vagina that uh, relate to different organs and different emotions. And so I don't know if you have ever heard of that before, but when they work with the jade egg, that's what they're actually working with are the different emotions and the different organs. It's all, it's basically like the bottom of the feet ref mm -hmm. reflexology. There's actually vaginal reflexology. And so the opening to the vagina is related to the kidneys and that can um, have the, either the emotion fear or the emotion trust and calm. And the other, well, the other part of the vagina that I find fascinating is the cervix. And that uh, sexual reflexology wise is related to the heart. And of course and the cervix is actually the bottom part of the 
uterus. The uterus, exactly, exactly. Well, that is directly related with a man's penis. The tip of his penis is also related to the heart. And so when a man and a woman are deep in intercourse, on a re sexual reflexology perspective, they are actually heart to heart, which interesting. I, I know I found that very, very interesting. And the other one that I find interesting is the G spot, mm -hmm. the G spot, this, you know, so the opening to the vagina is, um, is the kidneys. The next one up where the G spot is, is the liver. And that's related to, um, anger and kindness or generosity. So we can take these emotions and actually transform them by working with these practices with the egg. It's, it's pretty fascinating, but you know, it's not it's something you can do just like down the street. When you start working with the egg, you can just wear it. You can sleep with it. Uh, you can benefit from the healing properties of it. You can benefit from the strengthening of your pelvic floor muscles. It's all very, very cool. But yes, to, to, to really, uh, say that the vagina is an amazing organ and it's, it goes through a lot of different phases in its life, lifetime, you know? So and, uh, I, but one of the things that I'm always interested in talking about is this, the, the concept of G spot and other spots, right? And what we think they are, what the research might say they are. And then, um, talking a bit about female ejaculation or squirting. So okay. what's your thoughts about the G spot? And okay, well, what's interesting is, okay, so the G spot, I think for every woman is going to be a little bit different, but it's actually a, 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 the prostate gland. Hmm? It's the prostate gland. And um, I think it's still a mystery. There's a, there's been a lot of research on it and there's, you know, in the eighties, I remember when it first came out, people talking about the G-spot. I thought, oh, men just made that up so they can get inside of us. You know, the clitoris is where it's at. But there's actually in, in the uh, there's actually different gates. The first gate is the clitoris. The second gate is the G-spot. The third gate is the anterior fornix erotic zone or the cul-de-sac. And so I think that women's sexuality and our sexual response system is actually still a mystery and a mystery to many of us as women. But the G-spot and female ejaculation, I think, is just opening up the second gate and allowing our, our waters to flow, you know, allowing, allowing us to express our masculine um, sexuality, I guess you could say. It's kind of a masculine part of our sexuality to be able to squirt like you. I don't refer to it as squirting, but uh, I re refer to it as Amrita, which is sacred nectar. And... Uh, and I taught myself how to ejaculate and I used actually the wands to teach myself how to ejaculate, which was really actually a, a feat in and of itself, getting to know my body and that part of my anatomy. And, and so I, I think uh, some women find it um, very uncomfortable to be stimulated there and um, mm. except in the course of, of penetrative sex where you're not normally being intensely stimulated there because of the right. nature of, of, of penetration, even unless somebody's penetrating you with a toy that was designed for the purpose, yeah, you're not likely to be um, intensely, consistently stimulated in that area. And um, and some women find it um, very uncomfortable, um, yeah, not painful, but Just uncomfortable. It makes them feel right. anxious or uncomfortable or on edge, and also. Um, 
that experience of ejaculation for some women is incredibly pleasurable and for others is absolutely exhausting. Right, right, right. Interesting. Well, they're losing a lot of, they're losing a lot of fluid, but from my experience, it actually is uh, much more calming than anything else and, gr and grounding because we're bringing a lot of more focus and energy to that part of our body. We're getting out of our, like we talked about the other day, getting out of our heads and getting down into the bottom of our bodies and bringing more awareness. But that part, the G spot actually holds the emotion anger. And so women's uh, G-spots can hold a tremendous amount of um, ancestral memory in that area. And that's why it can be sensitive. It can actually even be numb. Uh, are you familiar with, uh, uh, with um, why am I forgetting her name? She wrote A Female Ejaculation in the G-Spot, Deborah Sundahl. Are you familiar with her? Yes. Yeah, so she wrote, she wrote a book about the G-Spot. And I think, I think it's good. It's good research. I mean, now I think it's an older book. I don't know if she's come out with a newer version, but I think it has some very valuable information for women about the G-spot. And I think every woman should get to know their G-spot a little bit better. And so you were saying that one of the thing, one of the ways of doing that is using a wand. Yes, yes. And so I have two wands on my site. One's called the Honey Dipper. One's the, the other one's the original wand. Um, I love both of them. Actually, one's a little bit thicker if you want a little bit more thicker of a feel. And the other one is a um, literally like a honey dipper, but they're, they have an angle at them. So it's easy for you or for somebody else to reach in and stimulate the G spot. And yeah. those are both on your site. Those are both made out of crystal. They are, they're made out of lucite. Or lucite. So the, 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 yeah, the eggs are made out of rose quartz and jade. And then the other two wands are made out of lucite. Yeah. And Joy makes one out of um, stainless steel. That's pretty cool. Uh, nice. So, yeah. That's awesome. And awesome. The fun thing about them is that you can warm them up and you can cool them down. And so you get different sensation depending on, on, on what you're doing. So it gives you the opportunity to play in different ways. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, the other thing, too, is if you're stimulating the, the clitoris, you can stimulate the G-spot at the same time, and it, uh, it connects the dots, connects point A to point B, and so there's more, you know, it enhances the pleasure. So, But again, every woman's sexuality is different, and every woman's sexuality is different on different days as well. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that's the other uh, thing is that, um, you know, and I know I've talked about this a lot and perhaps some of my listeners will be tired of hearing me say this, but um, <laughs> we I don't think it can be said enough currently is that we, we really aren't women really aren't taught to explore themselves and taught that that's something they should do. What they're often taught is don't do that. And it's something right. shameful. And um, and women are more complicated than men as far as genitalia go. Men's genitalia is on display. It's easier to explore because it's right out there in front, most of it. I mean, we're leaving the anus out of things for a moment, <laughs> but you know, most of it is, is right out there in front. Yeah. It's all on display. So it's easier to explore. Um, whereas women also, depending on a woman's size and shape, her vagina and her might be even more difficult to explore. For example, a woman of size actually exploring herself internally can be quite difficult. The angles can be quite difficult. Some exactly. women have um, a very flat vulvas with no, and this doesn't isn't necessarily whether a woman is fatter or skinnier. 
It -hmm. doesn't necessarily correspond, but some women have very flat vulvas with little or no fat pad on the top. So entry to the clitoris is obvious. You can see the clitoris and entry into the vagina is very easy. Some women have quite a bit of a fat pad on the vulva and you're actually having to part everything and move it back in order to, to actually explore what's underneath to see the clitoris, to reach into the vagina. And so without some explanation and some help and some education, often women just, they don't bother. They leave it to people that they're having sex with to do the exploration. Right. And then we make, we make our partners responsible for our sexuality. And what I like to help women be is responsible for their own sexuality. I mean, we definitely want other people and partners and, and pleasure and all of that and connection and intimacy with another. However, we can't share what we don't know ourselves. And so the more that we know and understand about ourselves, the more we have to share with another. So yeah, I really encourage. And the other thing you mentioned, how every woman is different. A lot of women think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Yes. Especially if they haven't seen other women. Yes. And so I really like to stress the fact that your yoni, your vagina, your female anatomy is as unique as your face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, and a lot of stuff is written without the knowledge that every woman is different. So right. I, I can't remember oh, right. what it was I remembered. I think, and I loved the book, Our Bodies Ourselves, when I was a teenager, when it was given to me, I was 15. Awesome. Ago. And I did yeah. love it. But I do remember that the way that the images of the anatomy looked nothing like what I looked like. Right. Right. I look quite different than what I've seen. Out yeah. There. Yeah. So there was the images of the anatomy and it looked nothing like what I looked like. And I couldn't easily relate those images to what was on my body. Yeah. And I thought there was something wrong. Very common. And it was, yeah, it was anxiety provoking. And um, I know other people who had very similar experiences. And I know people still have those experiences because they bring them into therapy and they bring them into coaching. Um, and so I think it's important to say it over and over that we all look different and that the idea is that you look at yourself so you know what you look like. And you'll know if something if something is wrong, if bits of your anatomy are missing, right? I, I remember a client who lacked a clitoris and that was um, not because of any kind of mutilation. Hmm. That was how she was born. Wow. She did not know that until she was in her... 30s. Well, did she have the sensitivity there for an orgasm? Like, did she have the nerve endings that would go to the clitoris? No. Interesting. Yeah. But she didn't know. Yeah. Because she was from a very sheltered family and she had had very little education of nothing beyond what they had at school. And she got together with a a man who was also from a very sheltered community. And he didn't, he'd never seen another woman. And so she had no idea. She just thought that sex was horrible. It wasn't fun. She didn't enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It was really sad. And it, yeah. I mean, later things got better for her because she did come in and she found out that she, her physical body was missing something and she was able to consult doctors and they were able to find ways of 
stimulating other pathways. She didn't have orgasm in the same way that you or I would, but she got a great deal of pleasure. But all of that waited till after the age of 30 because she was unaware. And it was, in fact, her awareness was came about when she was pregnant. Interesting. She had a detailed exam and the doctor went, huh. Wow, that's fair. Well, I, I think, you know, what I like to tell women is the most empowered thing you can do is get, get, get to know what's down there. You know, and we said the idea of down there, it's so far away for some women, right? And so to bring it a, a lot closer, you know, really get to know, like you said, look in the mirror, uh, explore your pleasure potentials. I think the, for the woman that doesn't have a clitoris, I'd like if she's listening, if, she, if she's possibly listening to this, I just want to encourage her and celebrate and say, your whole body's a clitoris. For women, our whole bodies are one big pleasure orga, you know, organ. And that's what my hope and dream is for women, is for us to really realize that we are really made to experience pleasure. The female body is really made. There's another spot actually. And it's I, I, I've only heard of it once on YouTube on a video, but I love the idea. It's the D spot. And the D spot is the different spot. It moves around. It's never in one place. And it's up to us or whoever's pleasuring us to find that D spot. And I thought that was kind of a fun idea, you know? So who knows what the future brings with research on female sexual potential and what how many different spots we actually have, you know? Cool. I mean, yeah. you know, we I mean there is it is there is quite a bit more um female sexual pleasure potential than usually we speak about that usually people learn about. And you know, we're we're back to that same old thing, which is that there's still so much shame around sex and sexuality mm-hmm. that, um, unfortunately, many people are not encouraged to explore and encouraged to learn, you know, and, you know, you can explore with lots of partners, or you can explore with one partner, or you can explore by yourself and not have a partner. So it isn't about in order to find these things out about yourself that you have to change your morality per se and your view of how relationships should be. You just have to be willing to get to know your body. Right, right. Exactly. And we don't learn this in regular schools. I mean, we do not learn these in regular schools. And even the research on women's, you know, all the research that's been done on the, you know, it's getting more, it's getting better now. People are doing research on women but all the research, biological research has been on men, you know, in the past. And so we haven't even been researched as much. Uh, we haven't been researched as much. I mean, I think there's been a lot more research recently, but um, but the questions aren't necessarily being asked by women. Right, um, right. And so um, it makes a difference who frames the question. The same thing is like if you're heterosexual and you're doing research on people who are not heterosexual, you're going to ask different questions than if you're not heterosexual and doing research on people like you, you know, and and I think it's only, I think the idea of experimenter bias has always been present in the sciences and always been talked about, but often people didn't look deeply into how the bias is, would necessarily 
not affect the results because that's what people focus on, but actually affect the questions that we ask. Yeah, that too. We totally. frame the questions. Mm -hmm. Well, that, you know, brings up the idea of inner authority, you know, that every vagina is uniquely different and it's up to each woman to get to know your vagina, <laughs> to get to know her. She, you know, just like men, the men have it, like you said, it's all on the outside. Little girls don't even know they have vaginas until maybe, maybe until they start their periods or, you know, who, you know, unfortunately, maybe when Uncle Joe sticks his finger, finger up there or something like that, you know? I mean, I, I think, I think girls do discover things. I think little girls yeah. know they have something. They don't necessarily know what it is. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's one of the things that I end up doing is, is talking to parents about, you know, how do you want to talk to your kids about this and how do you want to educate? Um, you know, girls and boys tend to discover themselves at around 18 months to two years. Mm. And anybody in, who's listening who has raised children will remember that time period where they had a child that rubbed against everything or masturbated against everything or, you know, in public, wherever. And they were constantly having to hopefully very gently tell the child that that was, you know, fine, but they needed to do it in private. Um, and that's the point at which there's self-discovery, but without um, the knowledge of what to call this, uh, of what this is. Um, and I think it's better than it used to be. I think we're labeling appropriately now more often. Yeah. Well, did you know that in Norway, they actually start sex education in kindergarten yes. or even before then? Yeah. Yes, I, did. I thought that was fascinating. I think that's wonderful. I did. They start sex education there with anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's, and that's, because, I wish I, I wish I had gotten that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and that's because the reality is, is sexual development starts at birth. Yeah. So, Again, if you've parented, kids start asking questions very young. They notice the difference between themselves and others sometimes as early as two and a half to three years old. So a girl will look down and notice that she doesn't have what a boy has and want to know what that is. Naturally curious. Yeah, mm -hmm. naturally curious. Yeah, exactly. So that what would be nice, my dream is that we could actually have uh, vocabulary where we can celebrate this curiosity, you know, mm -hmm. at that at that young age. And, you know, it, it, I think it's a journey. You know, I don't know. What did you do with your son when he was going through that? Um, um, you know, we were very straightforward. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, he didn't learn. This is the eyes. This is the nose. You know, this is the chest. This is the stomach. Those are the hips, right? He learned this is the penis. These are the testicles. You know, this is the bum. He learned that as as part of his body. He labeled yeah. his whole body. Um, we answered all of his questions as they arose. And he was very astute and he asked very astute questions. Yeah, that's yeah. all. And they will. And they will ask questions. That's yeah. just it. And, and then they, they, we just gave they, him age appropriate responses. Yeah. Yeah. The and I think is, is for, one of the problems is that people, parents often give too much information. They're panicked. And, and so they give too much information. I don't have to d detail how sex is had. If I'm being asked about how babies are born. Right. right? 
the first time when the child's four years old, where did the baby come from? Well, if the mommy and the daddy, depending on where, right? If the mommy and the daddy were the ones who created this baby, then it's, you know, mommy and, and daddy made love. They had sex and the baby grew in the mother's uterus. And, and that's it. You know, we don't have to detail what had sex was. They're not asking that question yet. Um, well, I think I think what the kids are picking up on also could be picking up on is that comfort or discomfort when answering the question. Oh, and like yes. you said, deeper because they're so freaked out about it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the idea of talking about sex, because I think sex is a fascinating subject, but we don't we joke about it more than we talk about it in our culture, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's what the kids are picking up on is maybe the discomfort of having to answer that question. Well, you know? yes, but I mean, also, it's really hard to talk about sex to a child if you can't talk about it yourself. Exactly. If you're not, if you're not comfortable asking your partner for what you want or talking about your sex life or, or talking about sex in general, then when a child asks you, it's, it's a nightmare. It's, oh, what do I do? <laughs> so, I mean, a, a, a lot of time, I spend a lot of time helping people to talk about sex and, and to bring that conversation from the shadow into the light of day. That's really, it's a mission for me. It's really important awesome. to me that, that this becomes something that we talk about in the same number of varied ways that we would talk about physical health or mental health or uh, what we do for a living or any other topic. Well, that's how we learn from each other, though, too. You know, with it so hidden, you could have some issue with your sexuality and you don't, someone else could be having the same thing. You, you think that you're the only one with that thing going yeah. on, you know, and we can all learn from each other. It's like, oh, that's how you dealt with that. Or, oh, you have that, too. Or, oh, that's interesting. I never experienced that before. You know, I think it's, it's I think we need to be uh, given permission <laughs> to talk about sex, give ourselves permission. I think that's a key word for me is giving people permission. Yeah. Giving people permission to touch themselves, giving pe people permission to talk about sex, uh, getting, giving people permission to uh, learn how to feel comfortable about talking about sex. Because yep. really when we start talking about it, it's a fascinating subject because everyone's so different. Yeah, and I mean, yet we're all the same, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you, you know, there there are so many topics, but I agree. As a bottom line, um, it has to be demystified and the sh and deshamed. Yes. So I know that um, you've got some courses that you run. Um, mm -hmm. I, the one that I wanted to to ask you a bit more about was sex education that your mother never told you. Yes, when yes. Is that, when is that one's coming up the beginning of November, right? Right, November 1st through December 13th. It's an eight-week course, but I'm going to double back because of Christmas. I'm going to put one extra week on a Saturday. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be there live. It is a live uh, course in my sacred Zoom room where we come together. And it's really learning about the uh, female anatomy, the deeper aspects of female anatomy that most women really just don't know about. And it's fascinating. The other thing is this thing of being able to talk about sex and feel comfortable uh, with it. And so it's really a rite of passage. This, this class is so much fun. And if they go to onathea.org, of course, you'll do the link there. Um, I will. With, and it's onathea.org forward slash sex ed. And actually sex ed is sexed. 
So it's onathea.org forward slash sext. Uh, you'll get the information on it. But I have so much fun teaching that course because it really opens women's eyes. It's amazing how, you know, and, and what people, and, and then they also learn from each other. And that's right. the other beauty is the sharing that's going on for women to understand, oh, I'm not alone or, oh, you have that. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And it's a real eye opener for women about and, that, their feminine parts. And so for that, I've got the, in the podcast notes is the link to that course and also um, links to the website in general and all of your social media links. So anybody who might want to find out what else Anathia is doing or, um, purchase one of these products like the egg or one of the wands. I love the name yep. the honey dipper. I love that. I know it's great. great isn't um, it? <laughs> or consult Anathia can find links on the podcast notes that comes out from Libsyn and also with iTunes, but also on my website, the, the notes are all there as well. Um, and you can go and check all this interesting stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I would love to have them in the course. They get lots of good handouts with it. They get the recording of the course and we do lots of fun stuff. So yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. I love talking about vaginas. My they're very, pleasure. Yeah. They're a very important part of the world. <laughs> Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Do write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's D R L O R I B E T H at A T O Z or Z O F S E X.com. And do visit both websites, HTTPS colon backslash backslash A T O Z O F S E X.com and HTTPS colon slash backslash backslash the-intimacy-coach.com to learn to awaken your authenticity, arouse your sexuality, and ignite your desire. For a free 30-minute discovery session with me, head over to www.adazetofsex.com and click on the button that says Book Now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. You are able to leave anonymous reviews. And please subscribe. Join me next week when the letter will be Z, or for the Americans, Z. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.